this day that we have, you have made for us to rejoice and be glad in. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus, who is the one that we come here to celebrate. And we lift him up and we magnify him, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for being our Father, our Creator, and our Maker. We couldn't have a better Father than you. You know everything about us, and you love us, and you've ordained such great things for us in our lives. And we bless you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today I'm going to talk to you this evening about the fact that we are not wounded warriors. Amen. We are not wounded warriors. And <clears throat> one of the things that I think we need to do as believers is own 100% of who we are. We have to uh, embrace 100% who we are, and realize that God's word holds true for us no matter what our situation, no matter what our, our station in life, no matter what goes on in our lives, God's word is, is number one, it's true and it's supreme, and it, it reigns supreme in our lives. So whatever happens in your life can be overcome by God's word. There is an overcoming word for every situation you find yourself in, there's an overcoming word for um, anything that comes against us, but we must own who we are 100%. And I think when I say that, I mean uh, own who you are at all times. Who you are never changes because of your circumstances. And so many times the enemy tries to make who we are match what our situation is. He, he puts us in situations, he attacks us and, and gets us in these, uh, these uh, areas of life and then he tries to make us feel like we've earned it, we deserve it, we belong there. That's really our station, that's as far as we're ever going to go. So he tries to capture us as people by our circumstances. By the same token, good circumstances will not change who you are on the inside. You can be the richest person in the world and not, and, and not have God and, and miss all of, of what your life was really supposed to be about after all. We are called to declare the glory of God in this earth. We are called to be spokespersons for God. We are called to do what Christ would do in the situations of life that we find ourselves in. The Bible says, as he was, so are we in the world. And so we have to represent him. We are his ambassadors. We are to speak on his behalf. We are to declare his word in every situation. And so <clears throat> one of the tests and one of the trials of our lives will be whether we will, will own our, our vic victory status at all times or whether we will succumb to what we consider to be the wounds of this warfare and, and go around as maimed, broken, and wounded warriors. There are no wounded warriors in this kingdom. There are only victors. We do not suffer damage in this warfare. You don't suffer loss in this warfare. There is never a risk that you would come out diminished from any time that you encounter uh, the enemy on God's behalf. These, these things do not diminish you. You can see that revelation in the world. <clears throat> you know, people in the world now, 
are coming for, from such disadvantaged backgrounds, they have that little saying, somebody even made a song out of it, whatever, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, you know, that kind of thing. And so there's, a, there's that taste of desiring to overcome even in the world. They, the world doesn't want this. They preach tolerance and they preach passivity, but they really want to fight their way out of the difficulties that they're in. Everybody wants to do that. That's just so common uh, for, for uh, human beings to believe that they can get up and challenge adversity one more day and survive it and, and come out stronger for it. So I thought I would, would uh, share some things about um, uh, um, what, what a natural warfare has done to people and how people, one person overcame that in the natural, but also I want to show you how true that is for us as believers. This is a story about a gentleman. His name is Jason Redmond, Jay Redmond. He's the, uh, um, uh, he was a, he's a Navy SEAL or was a, a lieutenant in the Navy SEALs. Says he arrived at National Naval Medical Center on September 16, 2007, after being shot seven times in the face and arms with a machine gun during an operation in Iraq. Quote, every night when I headed out on another high-risk mission, I accepted the risks. This is his words. He says, every time he went out, he accepted the risks. I did not do it blindly, though. I knew in my mind that if I was wounded, I would be helped by tremendously skilled medical personnel. Having endured 25 surgeries with at least 10 more expected, Redmond's treatment has included about 1,200 stitches, 200 staples, 15 skin grafts, one tracheotomy that he wore for seven months and two days. Redmond's jaw has been shattered, broken, or rebroken three times and was wired shut for 12 weeks. He lost over 50 pounds. He spent 143 hours in surgery under anesthesia in the past 15 months and spent 73 days at NNMC. This small portion of treatment only scratches the surface of the recuperation that Redmond has undergone. Throughout it all, he gives thanks to those who have helped him through this period of his life. Redmond was not looking for sympathy or pity. Showing his spirit and desire to get better, he posted this sign outside his hospital room in 5 East Surgical Wing. The sign read, Attention to all who enter here. If you are coming into this room with sorrow, or to feel sorry for my wounds, go elsewhere. The wounds I received, I got in a job I love, doing it for people I love, supporting the freedom of a country I deeply love. I am incredibly tough and will make a full recovery. What is full? That is the absolute utmost physically my body has the ability to recover. Then I will push that about another 20% further through sheer mental tenacity. This room you are about to enter is a room full of fun, optimism, and intense rapid regrowth. If you are not prepared for that, go elsewhere. Huh? Sign the management. <laughs> he said here, my primary goal was to motivate my fellow warriors. The mark of a man is not found in his past. 
Don't we know that? But how he overcomes adversity and builds his future. Quitting is never an option. These words impressed many, including other patients, doctors, and former President George W. Bush, whom Redmond met at the White House last year. This was in 2007, so it was 2006. The signed dedication will forever inspire those in need of some motivation. So what they did was they took a uh, his sign and dedicated it, in, and uh, it's, it's posted at, I think, the, one of the Navy SEALs headquarters or community somewhere. People were so inspired by the sign that they asked him to let him, them have it, and it's posted there in one of their, uh, one of their facilities. He says, uh, he, uh, he was saying, he really is saying that he thinks he might want to go back to being a SEAL. So it's up in the air whether he'll retire or not. He attributes his success over mind and body to knowing what he, wh that he did his best. So overcomers know that they do their best. At the end of the day, the key is knowing that he contributed to a cause, Redmond said. No matter what the cause is, it is important to have done everything possible to contribute to that cause said, I'd like to recognize the medical staff who have led by example with their exceptional work ethic and providing outstanding medical care. I have rumors of, I've heard rumors of walking on water and levitations, not that these are requirements to working in this ward, but I do have firsthand experience here and I know it helps. So he's making a joke of it, you know, that it's a place where miracles can happen. But it's a good thing to understand that there are some people who feel that they don't want to be pitied for the situation that they're in. And I think that's important for us as believers because I can tell you self-pity and reflecting on you and what it's costing you to serve God and what you think you're giving up and what you can't do is one of the biggest deterrents in victory in the life of a believer. So we're going to talk about what it, why we are not wounded warriors and and we'll reflect on some scriptures so that we can understand the attitude that God wants us to take in order to carry our victory and let that victory carry us to to greater things to do in God. Our war has really changed us for the better. This warfare that we're in as believers, it has changed us for the better. We are stronger and we are better due to war, due to adversity. James 1.4 tells us, he says, to let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Yeah. Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience make you patient. In other words, let patience do its job in perfecting you, and making you whole and entire, lacking nothing. So people who don't exercise patience through difficulty and through trial are lacking something. They're lacking the stay-to-it power that only patience can produce in them. But he says if you let patience do its work of perfecting you and maturing you so that you're not impulsive, you're not fearful, you don't quit. You don't give up. 
You don't go around and tell people that, you know, you, you were doing good in God and then somebody messed it up for you. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. If you will allow patience to perfect you, stay put where God puts you, and let patience work you through the process, you'll get the jump on the devil. Because where he meant it for evil, God means it for your good because you're whole and entire and you're lacking nothing. Isn't that wonderful to come out of something and say, I lack nothing. I got everything God wanted me to get through that experience and I am changed for the better and forever and I'm better for having gone through the war than not having gone through it. Amen. Only the believer can say that. The devil tries to break us through trial. He tries to break us. But this only plays into God's plan for us. We have a warfare that started in heaven. In Revelations 12:7, it talks about the war in heaven and how Satan was cast out or he, he, uh, he fell out of heaven like lightning when he challenged God. So it never says that, that the devil was thrown out of heaven. Iniquity caused him to fall. And that's what happens to everybody. That's why God, when he saves us, he raises us up. See, you can only be elevated through salvation even though it starts out on your knees. You start out repentant. You start out sorry for your sins. You start out confessing and letting God know that you acknowledge your condition. And then he immediately lifts you up to sit in heavenly places with him. Takes us a while to hang, catch on to it and believe it. But we are seated in heavenly places with Christ by virtue of our faith in what he's done. You got it? And we're never to be moved from that position. Even though you get involved in, in difficulties in life, you are never, those situations are never on top of you or pushing you down. You may feel pushed down by them, but that's never the case. You're always elevated because now you have a position from which to fight so that you can make that victory yours. You can possess the victory through your stand and through your stand in the word. <clears throat> Ephesians 6 tells us that our, our weapons are superior. The weapons of our warfare that we fight now as believers are far superior than anything that we've ever had before in our lives. In Ephesians 6 and verse 12, it says here, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against higher up things. So the stakes are higher. Say as for instance, if you have a dispute uh, with your neighbor, you know, about uh, some, something that they've done to your property or something, that's a low level of fighting. It's a flesh and blood dispute, you got me? And those things can be settled through a conversation or if you have to go to court with them, they're settled through, through that system, but these are flesh and blood disputes unless you back up and use spiritual weapons and use them involved in it. Now, you can use spiritual weapons in any kind of challenge. Anytime you're challenged in earth, you have the right 
to use spiritual weapons and that should be those should be your weapons of choice so if your your neighbor is 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 at odds with you the bible says if your ways please god he'll cause even your enemies to be at peace with you so you pick up that as your spiritual weapon and you begin to allow God to instruct you in how you are to please him. It might take you taking something over to the neighbor to please him. It might take you not saying anything back to the neighbor to please him. But you find out. And then as you go through life and you, you cause your ways to please God, you will find people falling in line with God's word. And so that is the best way to fight in this warfare. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and higher authorities than mere human authorities. So your, your, your warfare after you're saved gets elevated to a spiritual warfare in heavenly places in Christ. Everything you do is done through spiritual uh, ascendancy and it's done from a higher realm than you have ever lived in before this takes a great deal of faith because you may not get the results that you think you could get if you were to fight in the natural and see this is always a temptation for people to drop back down to where you used to deal from and feel more comfortable there and like you can get the job done faster and get your your vengeance or get your peace or whatever you're looking for you you think you'll feel better by taking matters into your own hands but many times we haven't really done the thing that God wants us to do often enough to know the great victory that comes when you allow God to fight these things out for you and you pick up your spiritual weapons. Because God will fight for you even when you're not awake. He will fight for you even when you don't feel like fighting. He will fight for you. And, and see, if you do it in the natural, every time your neighbor comes out over to say something nasty to you, you got to say something back. Then you got to get, get start looking threatening. Then you got to start running around with a gun kind of hanging out your pocket so they can see it. You understand the nonsense. So you, you're busy and active, take, you know, getting one up on the neighbor every time you look around instead of letting God have it and ascend to where the weapons are much higher. You know, pretty soon you're going to run out of stuff to show that neighbor and that neighbor's going to come up with a bigger gun than you and he's going to use his where all you're doing is flashing yours. So we have to be careful in understanding this warfare, that this warfare began in heaven between spiritual forces. When this warfare began, there was no flesh and blood involved because man was not up there when this warfare started in heaven. Man is an earth being, so there's never been any flesh and blood involved in this warfare. So how can we get flesh and blood involved in it now and think we're going to win? See, it's always been a spiritual war. And so this is one of the things that, that, that God hides from the carnal man and hides from sinners and hides from carnal people. That this warfare is a spiritual warfare. It always has been a spiritual warfare. It's never going to be anything more than a spiritual warfare. And it, so to be successful and victorious, it must be fought in the spirit. These spiritual forces must be fought. So this battle must remain spiritual. 
because it started out spiritual. Even flesh and blood wars are spiritual in origin when you see one country fighting against another country. They're fighting either over territory, they're fighting over ideology, they're fighting over some kind of customary way that they want to live. Spirits cause conflict. Spiritual forces cause more conflict than natural people do. Because when spirits start to clash, say over territory, say there's a a spirit that controls one country and a spirit that controls another country, they can drag everybody in both those countries into a bloody war just because these two spiritual forces decide they're going to take up arms against each other. And so the spiritual aspect of warfare is far superior than the natural or the flesh and blood, and it comes before the flesh and blood. So even these flesh and blood wars are spiritual in origin, and spirits cause conflict. This is God's war. This is not our war. And really, as a warrior, all you have to do is listen to the instructions of your commander-in-chief and follow his instructions. You are protected, you are secure, and you will attain what God has for you. In this warfare, we are the prize. We are not the victim and we are not the loser. We are the ones that God is fighting for. So we are the prize. We have superior weapons. And we fight a war that is won. God demonstrated that when Satan fell like lightning from heaven. When the disciples came back from, from casting out devils and doing ministry for Jesus, they were very excited because the devils were subject to them. And Jesus said, don't be excited. He said, listen, that devil's got no power. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's just how much power he's got. And so he told them, though, to marvel that their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In other words, we're the miracle. Our authority and our power is not the miracle. We're the miracle. It's a miracle that we found the Lord. It's a miracle that we can stay saved in this world. It's a miracle that we still carry out the instructions of God. And so that's, that's where he's, Jesus is coming from. So he always keeps in mind and helps us to keep in mind that we are fighting a war that is already won for us. Our position is more of a stand. It's not a fight. It's more of a, I would say it's more of a hand wrestle, you know, where you see it's a leverage thing where the enemy tries to get an advantage over us and then we take our stand on the word again and get another advantage over him. He comes up with a goofy idea and gets an advantage over us if we'll listen to it and so forth and so on. But your wrestling days can be short If you will understand that once God has spoken about something, it's a done deal. And if you don't let the enemy's manipulation get your mind to wondering about what God has said. Did he mean it for you? Why why is it taking so long? All of these things are his strategies against us. So his strategy is always to put doubt in our minds about God's word, about God's integrity, about God's faithfulness, 
but also he likes to get us to fight on a natural level and not in the spirit. If he can pull us out from the spirit and pull us out from the supernatural, then he can get an advantage of us. We need to understand that we are in a war of words. This isn't a physical war where we have to prove to somebody we're stronger than them naturally or anything like that, or smarter, or more spiritual, or no more scripture. We're not in that type of warfare. But we are in a war of words. Do we believe God's word, and do we believe when we speak it, it'll come to pass? You can have what you say. Do you really believe that? <clears throat> we have superior weapons and we fight a one war. So where do the wounds that we incur come from? Now we do, we do get wounded because there's not a person here that doesn't shrink back when certain things are said to them. They don't feel uh, inadequate if if certain things don't happen right away or uh, there's self-doubt. And these are the wounds that we're speaking of. We're talking about uh, any, any uh, uh, effect that words have on us that keep us from going forward in God. You got me? Just like the warrior who said, don't come in here if you're going to feel sorry for me. These wounds tend to keep us nursing ourselves, being concerned about ourselves and not going forward in the victory that God has for us. In order to win this war, you have to reckon yourself dead to the wounds and the feelings that you feel sometimes. You have to make yourself dead to those. Now, I'm not saying that you might need, not need prayer or you might not need time in the Word with God to get yourself right and get yourself balanced to where you're back in faith again. But I'm saying that these wounds aren't as bad as we sometimes make them out to be. You know, you have these people that want to go through counseling, and I'm always nervous when somebody asks, calls the church and they've never been there and ask if we counsel people. You know, and that always lets me know that they're looking more for attention than they are looking for God. It's just true. They think that if they get to tell their story to one more person, that somehow they're going to be helped by somebody listening to them and then telling them what they want to hear is their right and everybody else is wrong. You got me? You know, if you're the only saved person in the family, welcome to the jungle, baby. We've all been there. If you're only a spirit-filled person in the family, same thing. It's somebody's got to break through and get the rest of the family over. Sometimes you'll be the only spirit-filled person throughout your walk with God. Your family members may not pray in tongues, but you'll be able to pray for them. You'll be able to uh, believe God for a better life for them. You'll be able to believe God for healing for them. You'll be able to be believe God for a lot of things for them. So in other words, when you receive the, the power of God, it is for serving humanity. It's not for feeling good about yourself and never feeling bad about anything. You're going to have your times where you have doubt, where you have self-doubt, where you, you'll be put to the test. These are trials that we have to go through. This isn't magic, it's faith. 
And faith, sometimes you have to hold on for a long time before you see what you're asking God for manifested in your life. You just will. And so when in, in those times, you're not, those are the wounds we talk about, the, the, the emotional impact that the disappointment that we have because something's delayed or somebody disappoints us or maybe, you know, you have a loved one that's been on drugs for a long time and they don't seem to be seeing the light or whatever. These things, if we take them personally, will cause wounds to come into us where we'll feel like God's disappointed us, we haven't gotten what we need from the Lord or something like that. And this is all part of the warrior's life. As, as a warrior, you will have to stand and believe God when sometimes you're the only person standing. You're the only person believing. You're the only person in the household believing and everybody else there is against you. And so this is what God has ordained for you, but also he's ordained victory for you. And so we need to understand what victory really is. Victory isn't seeing every prayer answered necessarily. Victory is answered prayer, but they may be prayers that are answered in other areas that you're praying for. There may be victory, may be just encouragement from to you to go another day and not lose heart and not give up. And so you are, are able to define your own victory. And this, this is something that's very, very important. It's very important that you define what victory is and you let God help you define it. So if we're in a war of words, wounds come from words. Our place in the battle is chosen by God. So you have no choice in the devil you face. You have no choice in the battle that you're in. You have no choice in the circumstance that you find yourself in. Huh? In other words, it had to go down like that. Yeah. So your, your position is chosen by God, your battle is chosen by God, and your victory is chosen by God. <clears throat> God puts us in a place of the greatest advantage in this warfare. You need to know that you're never over your head as far as knowledge is concerned or you're never not equipped for what God's called you to do. You're very well equipped for what he's called you to do. So this is a known fact. <clears throat> You're never overwhelmed by the opposition. If you were overwhelmed by the opposition, we'd run back to the world quicker than we, you know, repent and, and go to God for help. And so if you were overwhelmed, it would be very, very easily easy for you to just say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, this is being a Christian's too much. I can't do this. I'll never master this. I'll never. I mean, I think sometimes we felt like that. But there's that something in you that keeps motivating you, that there is hope for you, there is help for you, all that kind of stuff. And so that's the part that God takes care of. So God ensures that we are never overwhelmed by the opposition. In Exodus 13, in verse 17, says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the, the way of the land of the Philistines, 
even though that was a quicker journey. Sometimes the fastest way to your answer is the most treacherous way to your answer. And it is seldom the way that God will lead you. So I don't care how difficult things are for you, how who doesn't like you, who, who, how many times your resume gets turned down, who doesn't want to hire you, what you don't have, and you know how long it goes on, yada, yada. You are not at a disadvantage. That the way that God takes you is not going to take you under. It's really going to take you over. Now, you're going to feel like you're going under. And you have to recognize that that is your flesh dying to its power to intervene and mess the whole thing up. See, what's dying is your flesh and his ideas. He's the one who's down there drowning and screaming and yelling. I can't take it anymore. Oh, if they don't stop talking back to me, if them kids don't start respecting me today, somebody going to have to call Child Protective Services before the night is over. And the call is never made. That's your flesh screaming that it wants control of your life again. But you have to hold on and let patience have its maturing effect on your spirit. Your spirit man knows perfectly well that nothing bad is going to happen to him. In fact, he'll speak up and tell you sometimes. Huh? He'll give you a scripture. He'll give you a, an encouragement. He'll give you hope. He'll give you something like that. <clears throat> so God did not lead them through the land of the Philistines, though that was near. For God said, if the people see war, they'll repent and turn around and go back to Egypt. So many times the believer, and this is true about believers, period. This is more true than we know. There are people that we know that are sitting next to us that don't like warfare and not into warfare. Now, they'll pray the prayers and they'll say the right things and they'll try to pretend like they're all in, but they're not all in. Because they've already gone back to Egypt. Their heart is back in something that they used to be comfortable with. And they don't have the courage to go forward in the thing that God has promised them. They don't know that you can't be in neutral in this warfare. You're either in it or you're out of it. And if you're not in it, you're out of it. And the devil is gaining on you. You're actually losing ground for thinking that you don't have to take a stand and you don't have to fight. It's a deception of the enemy. See, he'll trick us into thinking that we have an option rather than fight. You have no option. You have no option. You better scream the word. You better declare the word. You better say something that will give God the opportunity to come for you and to help you. Because if you don't, the enemy has gained on you and you don't even know it. We let circumstances determine our future. Rather than the word of God. You know. if, if <clears throat> Say for instance. I'm 
believing God for healing. And every time I go to the doctor, there's more bad news. If I don't make up my mind that I'm going to resist that and make the devil flee and I'm going to fight, I don't care how many diseases they say I have, I still say none of these diseases that God put on the Egyptians are for me. He only heals me. He does not make me sick. You got me? And I'm going to believe that I am healed and I'm going to believe that these are mere symptoms and I'm going to believe that at some point the symptoms must leave too in the name of Jesus because they are not welcome here. But see, if I don't believe that, if I don't take that stand, Every time I'm given some bad news, I'm letting the bad news have the final word on my body. And see, many times we think, what we think is that we have the option, take the medicine and be satisfied or fight. You need to, if you're going to take the medicine, take it and fight. Take it and add the word. Take it and get a vision of being off of it one day. Take it and see yourself whole because you weren't born taking pills. And so these are the ways that the enemy deceives us into thinking that we have an option to fight or not to fight. Now that's just in a simple thing like healing. Think about for your finances. Many people start out good. They, you know, it, it's good to tithe. And, but many people tithe out of their excess. They don't do it by faith. Because when, when something happens to their finances, they quit tithing. So you were never really doing it from a conviction in your heart. You were just doing it because you felt you could afford to do it. And God saw that. That's why you're it's going down now. Because he saw that and he called you on it and he said, uh-uh, my kids live by faith. I have justified kids in this kingdom and they live by faith. And you can do it. It's not hard to do. And I'm going to prove it to you because I'm going to teach you how to do it. So your income goes down. You're still going to give God a tenth or you're going to worry about how you're going to get what you need taken care of out of that. I'm going to take a drink. While you see lie. Hmm? So we get called on our lack of faith all the time. And see what happens is we get wounded. Well you know I don't have a job now. So I can't tithe like I used to. Sure you can. Faith is faith. I don't care if you got a big check, a little check. What size your faith is faith. See, when you get in fear and you start fearing for your what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, the devil has got you back to thinking like you did before you even came to God. And you don't even realize it. Because you, you, what you do is you, you categorize it as normal. Well, it's normal for people. No, it's not. Not for the blood bought. It's normal for the blood bought to say, you know what? God is my father and I honor him with the first tenth of everything that comes into it. And he's not going to be my father if I don't honor him. You got me? 
you take a bold stand. If the enemy comes in the front door, you go to the back door and bar that up and then go to the front door and read him a scripture. You got me? You stop him from coming in and devouring everything that you have. Because the day you start running from him, you're going to be always running from him. You got me? So you don't run from the enemy. You stand boldly in his face and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, devil. Huh? You don't need to see anything in order to trust God. You trust him because he's given you his word. He's got, you got a covenant with him. So when we're overwhelmed or feel overwhelmed by the opposition, we tend to want to run back where we came from because we think there's security somewhere in our old ways. And didn't we tell Jesus we were tired of the old ways and that's why we got saved? But see, we get to prove that, but when it's, it's when something that we love is threatened. Something that we want out of life is threatened. Is the only time you get to prove your love for God. It's got to be put to the test. God doesn't believe anything you say until it's proven by testing, huh? And it'll get proven. And so this is how this is how we get wounded. We get wounded because there are certain things we thought were going to go a certain way, and they don't go that way. And so then we're angry and upset with God. We're angry and upset with ourselves. We're angry and upset with the people involved. We're angry and upset with people not involved. Huh? Because we're wounded and we start to act out of our wounds. See, when you have lack, that's the time to get ever so busy serving God. Don't give yourself time to sit and meditate and consider what the enemy is telling you is the reason that you're in the situation you're in. God gives you one reason, and that is so he can get glory out of it. That's the only reason you're where you are, is because he sees you coming out victorious, and he intends to be glorified in, in, in your outcome. He can be glorified in your trouble, if you'll let him be that. But see, if you don't allow God to have input into you in your difficulty, if you just take your difficulty and accept it and don't see yourself standing against it, you don't see yourself coming out of it, you don't see yourself as, as being strong against it, then it'll take you under. See, you're either in this 100% using the word or you're, you're letting the devil deceive you into thinking that you don't have to fight and this, you can sit this one out, in other words. This one will pass by. You know, it's like, uh, you know, they, like two boxers. You have to answer every bell. Either that or you disqualified. You can't see him over there looking all mean and ugly and he hits you real hard the last round. You decide you're going to sit this one out and rub your forehead huh, and make it feel better. See, this is what happens to us sometimes when we get opposition that we think is not fair. See, we think there's something wrong. We shouldn't have to go through this. Because after all, God, look what I do. I go to church twice a week. I pray with my prayer partner. I give and God said, oh, yeah, and you're going to do more than that, too. 
you're going to prove to me that you really believe this that you're saying because you're going to be put through the test on it just like everybody else. Whom he loves, he chastens. He scourges every son he receives. And so everybody who God uses and God wants, is, is who adopts as his children, this is part of your life. This warfare is part of your life. But we are not wounded warriors because we don't have to feel the fiery darts of the wicked one. We don't. It's not right to run back to where you came from or try and run and hide from the enemy. When we're fighting this warfare, we have to, the Bible says, if you're going to attain mastery, you have to do it lawfully. So there is a legal way to fight this warfare so that you can come out victorious. In 2 Corinthians 10, And verse 6, we'll start in verse 3. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, you don't really live out of your flesh. You, you, don't, you, you walk in the flesh, you're in a flesh body, but you are 100% spirit. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural fleshly weapons but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and this is how you pull them down you cast them down a stronghold is any thought or imagination that doesn't line up with the word of God and it tends to want to keep you captive to it so, for instance, if you're, <clears throat> if you're raised in a household where everybody, nobody was ever married, say, say that, and so you've been around that all your life, and it's natural for you to pick that up as a thought that you believe in. Because how can you dislike your own family and your own situation that you're born in? You got me? And so when you come to the Lord... This idea that it's okay will linger as a stronghold to keep you bound into it so that you will, will frustrate God's plan for your life. See, God wants his children married, legally married, male and female. And so when you take up this idea that marriage isn't necessary, it becomes a stronghold in your mind and so if you have a, 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 a desire to get married and it doesn't seem to be happening soon enough, you just go off and live with somebody and go to church every Sunday. People do it all the time. There's a lot of fornicating saints that just continue to live freely with one another with no uh, concept of wanting to get married or no, no desire. Every time the idea comes to them, it's met with this bombarded with all these other ideas. But that's not necessary. Well, that's okay. Well, you don't have to have be married. Well, you can have kids and don't have... You understand what I'm saying? And so these ideas and imaginations have to be challenged with the Word of God. Yeah. 
You can't just let that go through your mind and not stop it with God's word or it will become your confession in your future. And so he says here, if you, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. These, these mighty weapons can change your entire life. They change your future. They'll change your children's future. They'll change your grandchildren's future. Just because you have the confidence in God to challenge what the enemy has been telling you, the haters who are trying to, to uh, get your life messed up again, because they don't want to see you with anything from God. They don't want to see you feel good about yourself. They don't want to see you encouraged and lifted up. So they'll tell you this stuff isn't necessary. Yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to get married. Or you get married and after a while you get bored. Well, you know you're in the church, but, but you know they, when they, they, they condemn people who are married and divorced and that's not right. You know, you can, you can still be saved and be divorced. You see, and so sometimes these strongholds linger for a long time if they're never challenged. So this is your first warfare is to fight the haters in your own brain that are telling you that the way you've always lived is the only thing you can do. And see, you tried that prayer stuff and you tried that save stuff. And look, you still ain't married and that's not working for you. You got me? And so when, when we start to challenge the mental, the imagination, you have to challenge it on the thought level where nobody sees it but you and God. Nobody knows the warfare, the mental warfare you go through but you and the Lord. Nobody can walk by you and tell you you're having that kind of challenge on the inside of you. It's just a private thing between you and God. And so you're free to challenge those thoughts with the word of God. And you say, God, I know that I'm just like, like Eve was in the garden. That you have a man for me and that you will connect me with him in due season. I believe that. I believe I will be married. I believe I will have legitimate children, a secure family, a secure household with a man who loves me and I love him and he makes plenty of money to take care of me and his ugly kids. In Jesus' name. And stand on that. Huh? You stand on that. For sure. Because you don't want that imagination, that stronghold to keep you imprisoned to that, that, uh, you know, welfare and, and struggling and embarrassment and, well, now I'm in the church, but I got two kids and I'm not married and all that. You don't want that anymore. You want to be able to be dignified and hold your head up and say, I don't believe that way anymore. I believe God has a spouse for me. I believe if I don't get a spouse, I can be a good mother to my children. I can be a good parent to these kids and raise them so that they can have a legitimate marriage. I believe that, and that's going to come to pass. And see, that's why you're not wounded. Because if I recall correctly, if you told all that to the devil, you wounded him. And you're not hurting anymore because you really let him have it. Huh? You sliced him up on the way out of the door. 
See, the first time you raise up in the anointing, he gets scared and runs. Oh, yeah. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. So the minute you, you got, your, get, got on your, your stand in God and you raised up in his power, the devil left, left anyway. So you send the word after him to cut his little shred, his little clothes, that he little red coat and his platform shoes that he's wearing on the way out of the door. Huh? You send him with the wounds. You wound him with the word of God. You let him know that you don't have to listen to that. That's not your life anymore. You don't live that way. So that's what he says. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. They want to exalt themselves over you and continue to tell you what to do. So you cast them down. You tell them, no, I'm not. Nope, we're not going there today. We're not going to believe like that. We're not going to say that. We're not going to talk like that. We're not going to listen to that anymore. I have a new mind, a new conversation. I have God in me. I have the life of God in me. I have the future of God that he has for me. And I'm going to live out that future, devil. I have just ceased to be your puppet. I've just ceased to listen to everything you have for me. Sometimes we're tested because we make mistakes. Self-inflicted warfare difference doesn't make he's still on your side the minute you decide to go over to God's side and use the weapons of his warfare then he's on your side and see this will keep you from feeling wounded as well you know sometimes you 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 thought something was going to work out for you and it didn't work out for you the reason it drags on for so long is because you you are letting it get dominion over you by the way you think about it. You think that it's going to you think it's going to take forever because you caused the problem. You think it's going to take forever because you had a hand in it. See? And you're not believing in the finished work and the atonement because the Bible says that you're, when your sins are forgiven, they are blotted out. You are not responsible and blamed for them anymore. And so a lot of our problem is that, did you realize that if you believe erroneous, if there's error in your thinking, it will hinder your faith. Every time that you think something contrary to the word of God, I don't care if you are confessing the word out of your mouth, it begins to diminish the, the pull of your faith will be that much weaker based on what you consider in your mind. You have to have a healthy mindset about yourself. You have to have a righteous mindset about yourself. So that's why the Bible tells you to cast down imaginations so that your mind and your thought life can be healthy you can be encouraged in the way you think. You can quit feeling sorry for yourself because you have to struggle for a while. You know, I'm a, a, everybody gets hit with real life. I don't know of a person that, that doesn't. Everybody who gets married thinks they're going to live on top of the world forever. Even though everybody they see that's married is having problems, they struggle, they got to pay bills, they got to go to work, they got to do, but you think because it's you, Yours is going to be wonderful. And so you get married and you struggle and you pay bills and you do all the normal things that married people do. But you decide to feel sorry for yourself instead of accepting it 
as just the testing of your faith. Will I get on the word of God and stay on the word of God instead of trying to get everything that I want by my own devices? And that's really what the challenge is. The challenge is getting you off of your system over onto God's system through faith in his word. Can you cast down these imaginations that tell you you're not supposed to have any problems? That tell you everything's supposed to be wonderful all the time. And those people who struggle is it's because they don't, they don't know what I know. Well, we're going to find out what you know. Because you're going to be in the same kind of situation they're in. And you're going to find you're just learning. Just like they are. You're just learning. So if you learn how to respect people in their struggles, yours will be a lot less. If you learn how to not be critical and backbiting toward people when they, when they lack faith. And always pointing out who doesn't believe and, and what you believe and they don't believe. We don't see what you believe. <coughs> huh? Because God's got something for you. You know? You will have to give an account for your words. <coughs> so my advice to people is to be kind to everybody. When you see another saint struggle, you try to get in there and intercede for them and don't try to whoop them over the head with the Bible because you think you know a lot and know more than they do. You got me? And just learn how to be normal. Just be a normal saint trying to get where you need to get in God. But don't let go of God's word. Amen. Don't let go of his word. Is this making sense to you? All right. So he says here, casting down imaginations, continual, not just one time. Every time that thought comes to you. You put it down under your feet. But you don't understand. I have this thought. I'm just, you know, it's just like a broken record playing over and over. You keep casting it down because the word works. Cast it down every other time. You got me? But keep, make your position is that you don't agree with that ever. One of the reasons people stay entrapped in difficulties is that they, they tend to get lax in their casting down. They just let the idea float in their head, and then pretty soon they're swayed into believing it, and then they act on it. It's because they're lazy about doing the work that it takes to, to um, uh, get yourself free and obtain your dominion over your own thought life. He says, cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So these thoughts are against God's knowledge. You want to operate in God's knowledge. And so when you get a thought that says <clears throat> that you, it's okay, you know, all of these it's okay words, you, you, that has nothing to do with you. You don't want okay. You want the will of God. And if, if you don't have the will of God, it's not okay. You understand? Well, it's not okay if you don't have the will of God manifesting. Does that mean you're a bad person? Does that mean that you're no good? That doesn't mean anything. It just means it's not okay and I'm still pressing for the will of God. This is just a, a uh, step in the process, but I'm going on toward the will of God. And I won't stop until the will of God manifests in my life. See, that's a true warrior that's not wounded. 
that can take the slings and darts of the enemy and still say, you know what? It's not okay, devil. Where I'm living right now, I don't have what God told me I was going to have. I don't have the joy he said. I I don't have any of the stuff. It's not okay, but I'm pressing on to what God has for me. I'm leaving this place. I'm not staying here. And so you don't have time to be wounded because you're moving on. Wounded warriors stay put and just take crap from the devil. You're moving forward. So he can't find you to wound you. You're to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You got to make your mind obey God. He said, think on things that are pure. So turn off the X-rated and R-rated stupid stuff. You got me? Think on things that are pure. The reason you don't have pure thoughts, you don't pour pure things in there nonstop. Huh? We kind of want to take a break from the word and just, you know, flesh out somewhere. And he says, and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience once your obedience is fulfilled. What that means is that you can't cast out a devil you haven't conquered in your own life. You can't take authority over illness if you're sick and you're, you're using and you're letting it remain there unchallenged. A woman was that I know, in fact, I've known a lot of people like this, and it is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that they don't obey the word because the word is right there for them. This just like it's there for me and you. And this person was so concerned about their ministry and so concerned about ministering to people. And off and on, they kept going back and forth into the hospital. Wouldn't come, you know, they were, they were invited to come to, to our healing schools They would come a little bit and then disappear. Oh, I got to do my ministry. Oh, well, you know, I've got, uh, you know, this person's invited me and that person's invited me. And and one day they just died. Now, religious people tend to think that God doesn't let people die when they're working for him. But are you working for him? Listen, God doesn't need servants so bad that he won't get you healed before he says he's not going to let you die. Who are you helping out there sick? And who are you helping when you can't be consistent? And who are you helping with your lack of faith because you think it's okay to be sick? It's not okay to be sick. Jesus paid so much for us to be well. It's really an insult for him, to him, for us to accept and embrace sickness as a normal part of life. It's not normal. It's not normal for sinners. Because they go to the doctor and try to get rid of it. They'll spend huge sums of money trying to get the latest treatment because they, they don't accept it. And here we have believers when they're challenged to merely stand and confess the word. Who are you hurting by saying by his stripes I am healed? But we rather say, oh, it's normal. It's okay. You know, well, you know, I I, want to pray about something else. I don't have to pray about that right now. 
what's killing you right now. Hmm? You see how religion can make you stupid, crazy, and take you out of here. Because religion is mean and brutal. And it pictures God as mean and brutal as well. And see, if we don't win that war in understanding that God has made total provision for our wholeness, and out of that wholeness we have an overflow that we minister to others, you cannot lead somebody to salvation if you are not saved. You cannot lead somebody to healing if you are not healed. You cannot deliver somebody if you're bound in devils yourself. There is no uh, scriptural precedent for that. It says you can revenge disobedience. That means that you can go out and arrest the devil once your obedience to that scripture is fulfilled. If it's not fulfilled, you can't help anybody. That's how sin runs rampant in congregations. We get one person that's, that's in sin and they're telling themselves it's okay. And they get in a conversation with somebody that the, the devil will point to somebody who's struggling. And they'll be soft on it. Tell them it's okay. Well, God understands. And all God don't understand sin. He gets rid of it. He kills it. He annihilates it. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't even consider it. We have to fulfill obedience, folks. For you can go out and challenge the devil on anything. You've got to be devil free yourself. Other than that, you're just divided. You know, that devil could show up on your words at any time and seduce somebody over into its way of thinking. So you don't play around with things like that. So you must fulfill your obedience to God's word in order to be fit for war. This is part of your spiritual equipment is to get yourself free of the enemy's power. Fulfilling our obedience should be a way of life for the warrior. We should be cutting our teeth on scriptures that cause us to be stronger on the inside. Overcoming adversity. Looking at everyday living from a spiritual perspective and challenging ourselves spiritually to step into that arena so that we can fulfill our obedience in these things. Many times, you know, I could call a plumber or I could call a, a carpenter, but I'll pray and ask God if he can do these things supernaturally for me first. It's a discipline that I have. I'll tell you, I put more money back in my pocket from not calling people you know, when you're in the flesh and you panic and you're scared, the first thing you want to do is, who, who do I call to help me with this? Huh? You have a father in heaven who knows everything and knows everybody and can do everything. And so you can challenge yourself to win this warfare on a day-to-day -day basis by going to God first. Take it to the realm of the spirit first before you try to do anything in the natural. And then let God guide you. There's natural answers to everything. It might be that you need a plumber or you need a carpenter. But God will lead you to the right one and he will lead you to somebody who can at least show you God's favor, do an excellent job with it, do it for less money 
or help you to do it yourself or give you something that you will know God intervened spiritually for you. You became the head, not the tail. You were above and not beneath. He did exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or think. And so if we will employ the word of God just in everyday situations, it makes you fit for war. Other than that, you're not going to win this. You'll get involved in warring against the devil for something and you get wounded. And you want to quit and you will quit. Many people, the, the, the Holy Spirit has to wake you up and remind you of certain things that God still has for you. Because you'll go and run and tuck tail and say, oh, I forgot I was praying about that. Oh, Lord, there's something else I got to pray. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have a way to not be wounded warriors. We have a way to fulfill our obedience. We have a way to keep ourselves fit and equipped for war and keep ourselves filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And that's really what takes you through uh, in this lifestyle, in, the, in this warrior's lifestyle. So fulfilling our obedience should be a way of life for us. It's the only way to be a happy warrior. You can be a happy warrior. And that's a warrior who fights with confidence, who fights from the position of victory, not trying to get a victory, but from a position of already won and I'm just here to collect my paycheck or collect my prize or collect my spoils. I'm here for no other reason than to collect on this. You got me? And so once you, and you're collecting on it might be receiving the joy of accomplishment in advance. Receiving the peace of having something settled in advance. You got me? See, you can draw the fruit of the Spirit out of the material thing that you're waiting for while before it even gets here. I'm going to say it again. Because you know what, people, that we wait on things. I got so sick of talking about things and people talking about things when they talk about faith. But faith is a spiritual substance that gives you confidence about something that you don't have yet. If you're confident about where, whether, and you don't have it yet, what difference does it make when it comes? Well, I see we still got some people that's carnal. Some of you young people feel like you can't live until you get married. Just ask the married people around you. Just catch them when they really are honest one day and ask them how on top of the world they are. Huh? They're rubbing their head, trying to figure out where to get the bill money from, who to pay first. And You understand me? But you can be confident. You can be encouraged. You can be full of joy. You can be full of happiness all the time. And you don't have nobody that's interested in you for nothing. That's how you're a happy warrior. You receive the fruit of the spoils before the, the spoil even gets here. You can extract that from anything you're praying for, anytime you want to. You can get the joy of the victory before the thing gets here. You know, some, some people are, are believing God for reconciliation, and I, I think that's wonderful. 
I'm going to tell you something. When, when Pete sits up there and looking just as ugly as he was, uglier than when he left, you're going to be saying, you know what? I was upset for years because you wasn't here. And look at you now. This is what I was losing my mind over. I'll grow up. I don't know what to say to y'all next. I put my Otis Redding back on. That'll get all of y'all straight. <laughs> Everybody's scared now. Oh, okay. Amen, 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 amen. <laughs> you can extract fruit from any promise before the promise gets here. It's legal. It's legal to extract the joy out of your reconciliation before it happens. It's possible to extract the peace out of your children's accomplishments before they happen. It's, it's possible to extract the, the uh, uh, encouragement out of uh, something that, that has been discouraging you for a long time before it even happens. That's what we have in now faith. See, that's one of the elements of, of now faith. Because faith makes it as though it is real now. See, I see Christians depressed, moping around because, <clears throat> number one, they got, most of us got ourselves into the messes we're in. We were told, counseled, warned, and did it anyway. And now we're all sad because... And see, what keeps the fruit from manifesting is your guilty conscience because you know you screwed it up. If you know how to repent, really repent, and get forgiven, and have a clean conscience purged from dead works. You know what purged from dead works means? That means that you did it, you know you did it, but you know you're forgiven and you don't beat yourself up about it now or ever. It don't even come into your recollection anymore. But see, people get scared to live like that. And so they keep the guilt on them and then they wind up repeat offenders. I don't care if you do or not. You keep repeating the same thing you did that got you in trouble. And you don't understand why you can't stop. You never came clean about it the first time. You walked away instead of walking from the altar with a bloodbath and not get up until you know you're forgiven and your conscience is purged from dead works. What you did was you got up and you said, God understands. Maybe the God you serve does understand, but the one I serve don't understand. He don't understand disobedience. He's got a cure for it. Huh? He don't understand halfway obedience. He's got a cure for that. He doesn't understand rebellion. He's got a cure for that. And he doesn't understand excuses. He's got his son that he blamed for that. You got me? So you don't have to make excuses for something that was taken away from you by the blood of Jesus. You can just be free. Free to do what? Free to be empowered in righteousness to go about living a righteous life. Instead of worrying about how I'm going to keep from sinning again, uh, start thinking about what you're going to do on the righteous level. 
That's what God brought us into. He brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this is the only way to be a happy warrior. Is to fulfill your obedience and start extracting fruit from your promises before the promises show up on your door. Huh? Start taking a withdrawal out of your promises before they get here. Let those promises serve their purpose for you in the right now, in the here and now. That's what now faith does. It causes you to enjoy the spoils of war in the now. Because that war has been won for you. You see? That's what Jesus gave us. We need to learn how to obey God with joy. Understanding that you have been given something that will work for you. This isn't a maybe, it works every time. And that's the joy that we have. The confidence that what God gives us works. It It doesn't ever not work. The word always works for us. The wounded think it's too hard to bring thoughts into captivity. And we let our lust lead us back to Egypt. Remember, part of the people from Egypt followed Israel into the wilderness. So Egypt is all around you. You'll never get to a place where the enemy won't be able to tell you something that's wrong for you. And so you have to be vigilant is what the word. You can't let your guard down, in other words. There's great temptation to lick our wounds and compromise with the thoughts of Egypt. The children of Israel thought everything was too hard. And they said, oh, if God, God brought us out into the wilderness to kill us. Oh, if we could go back to Egypt. Well, Pharaoh was beating the snot out of you, coming and going. You didn't have nothing of your own. Oh, yeah, but we remember the pots with the leeks and the garlic, and and we were allowed to have garlic soup every night. That was wonderful. Hmm? So you need to know Egypt is always there. The lure of Egypt is always there. You know, if if you have to wait for God to do something for you, you, you get the impression everybody's watching you. What are they saying about me? They, what are they saying? They think I don't have any faith. They think my faith's not working. They think, and, and you know, if they come and ask me for prayer, do they really think I can pray for them because my faith isn't working because I don't have so-and-so and such-and-such? Well, there's a lot of stuff I would like I don't have either. But that don't stop me from turning my faith on. See, your lack... Of having received something that God's going to give you in due season. Should have nothing to do with your now faith about it that keeps you strong in the now. And there's an overflow of it for somebody else who needs prayer. None has nothing to do with the other one whatsoever. Because you fulfilled your obedience because you're standing in faith on the thing. You understand the difference between standing in faith for something that's yet to be fulfilled and not having something because you think it's okay not to have it. One person is fighting and demanding what belongs to them and the other one is long given up. The giver upper you don't ask to prayer for him. The fighter you ask to pray for him. You got me? 
Anybody who tells you what the devil's doing is okay, you run from him. Anybody who doesn't make you live right for God and challenge you to live better for God, you run from them. Anybody who accepts your shenanigans and love you in spite of you not doing what you know you can do, you run from them. There'll be a thorn in your side. Be a noose around your legs. You'll never be able to prosper if you don't, not, don't surround yourself with people of like precious faith. They're going up. They're being challenged, not doing what God wants you to do. It's not acceptable to them. They don't compromise. They don't give you excuses. And their conscience is clean. It's purged from dead works. They wouldn't do anything against God for anything. You won't find them compromising. The lure of the Egypt is, is always there. Jesus faced it in Luke 4. We'll stop after this. A lust of the eyes, a lust of the flesh, and a pride of life. The truth of the matter is you will fight for what you want. You either fight on the, in the natural or you fight spiritually. God wants to change our wants. But we have to fight with our faith to make that change established and not with our flesh. When God demands obedience to his kingdom, righteousness, that means we are empowered to do the right thing. He is allowing us to be happy warriors. So God demands obedience to his kingdom righteousness. Righteousness being defined as being empowered to do the right thing. Not saying it's okay to not do it. You got me? One's a sloppy agape, greasy grace, this passive, you know, anything goes kind of mentality. You can't live for God like that. You'll never be a happy warrior like that because you've already succumbed to the enemy. But righteousness means to be empowered to do the right thing. It's not just a state of Jesus throwing something on you. But you're empowered and you step out in it and you do the right thing. And that allows you to be a happy warrior. You can fight on behalf of others. You can be of good cheer even in the face of trial and temptation. Jesus told us that. He said, listen, you're going to have trouble in this world. You better believe. In fact, you're going to have more than most. Because you've got not only the devil, but you've got the persecution factor as well. People in the world don't get persecuted. They're not doing anything righteous to be persecuted. And so we got persecution on top of trouble. But he said, be of good cheer. Why? Because he's already done the work for us. He's already established that we're overcomers. We can serve him with our whole heart because we've been changed from the inside. You don't have to do half-hearted service where you love God sometimes and sometimes you're mad because he don't let you do what you want to do and get away with it. Mm-hmm. War is demanding. Wounded warriors have spiritual heart trouble. They have some kind of heart disease. There's some issue in the core of them that doesn't allow them to be peaceful, doesn't allow them to be joyful, it doesn't allow them to overcome. They just kind of 
flop through life. Don't take a stand. Don't have anything worth fighting for. And they don't like challenges. Real warriors live for challenges, folks. That's how they can finally prove if their training is effective. They can finally prove what is on the inside of them. They're not hiding from the enemy. They're ready to engage the enemy, but they do it at the command of God, the command of wisdom. They're not running around trying to pick at the devil. War is demanding. It takes spiritual stamina to stand and allow the enemy to pull and nag at us and try to move us with his words. The stress of standing against that may cause darts to penetrate our heart and mind. That's spiritual heart trouble. We can fight these wounds with God's word until they have no more power over us. We can't forget the fourth man. Whenever you go into a trial, you don't go in alone. You're not trying to prove how much scripture you are, how wonderful you are. But you go in with the fourth man. You're led in there by him. And he's always there with you. He's always there to empower you. In fact, he is your praise. He is your joy. And he is your peace. Whatever is acceptable in this warfare must line up with God's word. Anybody who is with us is with God's word. And they will not tolerate us violating God's word. These people are rare, but they're worth knowing. It's worth it to try and get in the company of these kinds of people. Whenever we get in the company of people who have a high standard in God's word, we will automatically be elevated. By whatever relationship we have with them, it will be an automatic elevation to us. If we're to really successfully fight the enemy, we have to remove ourselves from the source of the words that wound us and tear us down, if possible. If it's company you keep, get in better company. You have to refuse to consider the message at the end of the fiery darts of the wicked one. You're to use your faith to extinguish these words and allow God to bind up wounds and make you whole as you go. God will help you to reflect on scripture that tells you who you are, that sets your mind at ease to give you, give you a sense of confidence. It'll give you a sense of victory no matter how long it takes for God to move that thing. He will give you a sense that you have already overcome it. Mm -hmm. But you've got to do your, your part. You've got to do the casting down. You've got to do the challenging of your own mindset. You know, your mind set on feeling sorry for yourself. You've got to set it to something else. Set it to rejoicing. Set it to praising. Set it to going out and beating the devil up in somebody else's life. But reset it so that you don't live as a wounded warrior and always lamenting how much time it's been and, and what it's taking and all that, how difficult it is. You don't want to live like that. But you want to live like, like the, the gentleman, the Navy SEAL that we spoke about at the beginning. If you're going to come in here and feel sorry for me about the life that I have to live in God, go elsewhere. 
because this is a place of joy, this is a place of rejoicing, and this is a place of victory. Amen? Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you <clears throat> for your word and for understanding. We thank you for victory. We thank you that we are victorious more than conquerors in you because you love us and you've given everything for us. And we bless you and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you put on some music and I'll just pray a prayer for us all at the end. Unless somebody has something specific they need prayer for. If you're sick in your body, not feeling well, you can come up for that. But we will uh, just have some music and I'll pray at the end and, and we'll take care of everything. Praise God. <clears throat> 